AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, and today I will be delivering my state of the cinema address. We'll talk about the entire movie industry and where it stands as a whole with all these big announcements coming from Disney and DC and AMC making a bunch of people mad. And then in the movie review, we'll talk about one of my most anticipated movies of the year, You People, which came out on Netflix. That's all I'll say for now. And then in the trailer park, we'll talk about the beginning of the end of the road with the new Fast X trailer. But thank you for listening and being subscribed. Shout out to the movie crew. And now let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Thank you all for joining me on the 2023 State of the Cinema Address. We have a lot to get to on the agenda. Disney has announced some sequels to Toy Story and Frozen. DC has laid out their plans for what they are doing in the DC universe. And AMC is making a bunch of people mad by charging more for the best seats in the movie theater. But I'd like to start first with my opening statement. Movie crew, I am happy to say, and I know I'm a little bit biased here, but I think movies are coming back slowly, but they are coming back. In 2022, the box office revenue across the globe was up at $26 billion, which is about a 27% increase from 2021, but it's still pretty far away from reaching those pre-pandemic levels. Even at that $26 billion, it's still about 35% lower than it was from 2017 to 2019. But I don't think the movie industry is dying. I don't think it'll die even anytime soon. But I do believe that some things need to change. 
Because at the core of it, I still believe that the best movies I go and see are in theaters. And I don't want to get into this old school mentality way of you need to go to the movies to experience it. I don't believe that, but I am just a movie fan and I enjoy that experience. And I feel like all of my movie memories still come from sitting my butt into a movie theater seat and watching a movie with other people. I can recall a bunch of memories just within the last five years, and all of my favorite movie moments have come from a movie theater. I haven't been able to replicate that same experience at home with my butt on the couch. So the way I enjoy a movie just happens to rely on where my butt is. I don't see enough people talking about that, but that doesn't mean that is the same for everybody. And we saw that in 2020, we all became more comfortable watching things at home. Our TV screens got better. We subscribed to more streaming services. And overall, we just saw how a lot cheaper it was to watch them at home. And even now, doing this podcast, I still see that because I always try to review the newest movie that comes out in theater on the podcast. And I think when it comes to big movies like Ant-Man coming out next week or even with Knock at the Cabin, or any big action movie, a lot of you are kind of like me and like to experience that opening weekend. We like to avoid the spoilers. But with some other movies, say one like last year, Emily the Criminal, I saw that one in theaters, but more and more people really didn't watch that movie until it came out on Netflix months later. So I think that really kind of leads us to where this discussion even begins. And what are we arguing about? Is it the size of the screen or the size of the ideas. And I think that is really what factors into what motivates us to go watch a movie in theaters. I think when the idea size is really big and the fandom is there, that is going to get us to go and watch those movies in theaters. But when it seems like something is a little bit more small scale, maybe it's an indie movie, we tend to just wait for those to watch them at home. So that's why I don't think the movie industry is dying. We've just really changed how we watch things. And I feel like everybody I talk to is always behind on something. You're trying to catch up on a TV show. You're still trying to watch this movie that came out that you really wanted to see. There is just so much now. And you don't really have the same argument when it comes to TV shows, even though your top three TV shows that you've probably watched in the last four years are a lot different than somebody else's. There really isn't that one universal anything anymore. We are out of the days of everybody watching the same thing at the same time in movies and in TV. And the only reason people say that the movie industry is dying is because of the model where you actually have to go buy a ticket to watch a movie. And even to me, that idea still starts to feel a little bit more foreign and so outdated that you are paying for something that you could get at home. And I started to get into that mentality myself. But then I realized in order to have all those big moments that I want, you got to pay for them. And that's just how that industry is built. I think later down the line, it will change, but I still think that that model will stick around at least for another 10 years. What do I think the film industry needs to make it through those other 10 years? I think we need more cultural moments when it comes to movies. Top Gun Maverick was a great example last year. It got a lot of people back into the theater who hadn't been in a very long time. So was Encanto with the soundtrack going viral. Spider-Man No Way Home did that as well. It was the first big pre-pandemic hit. And even the Minions got in the action with the Gentle Minions. And also in the last year, I think horror has done a really good job at that with movies like Smile and Megan also having cultural impacts. 
I think we need to focus less on all these legacy franchises. And when all the big Slater movies come out and it's all like reboots and parts four and five, that's where you begin the argument of, oh, they're just remaking everything. So movie crew, I hope you are like me and are optimistic about the future of movies. I think we have some great movies coming to us this month. And I was just looking at the movies coming out in March and March is pretty stacked. On March 3rd, we get Creed 3. On March 10th, we get Scream 6. On March 17th, we get Shazam 2. On March 23rd, we get John Wick 4. And on March 31st, we get Dungeons and Dragons. I know I was just saying we need to get away from all these reboots and revisits. And then we have a bunch of sequels coming in March that I'm excited about. I think there's a place for those too. But now let's get into what Disney announced last week. Recently returned Disney CEO Bob Iger made a major announcement talking about their lineup. And it looks like we are getting Frozen 3, Zootopia 2, Toy Story 5. And this is in addition to last year them announcing Inside Out 2, which is coming out on June 4th, 2024. Disney also announced that they are cutting 7,000 jobs after Disney Plus subscribers were down 2.4 million for the first time ever, which is surprising to me, especially when it comes to their model and the decisions they've made recently with their movies, some going to streaming, some going to theaters, and then later to Disney+. Plus. The fact that they lost subscribers for the first time makes me wonder if they are revisiting and re-kind of structuring how they do that especially after Strange World, which came out last year, was one of their biggest flops ever. And I didn't completely hate Strange World, but I think it is an example of what is going on with Disney animation right now, which as a whole, Disney is not hurting. They have Marvel, they have Star Wars. Those continue to bring in a lot of money at the box office and for Disney+. Plus. So as a whole, I think Disney is all right. But I think they are lacking a little bit when it comes to their animation. And I think Strange World is a bit of that example. The problem is the stories and the ideas have a little bit less imagination. Even when it comes to the animation, they aren't doing anything drastically different. I feel like they're almost stuck in this 2010 style that they really haven't defined what Disney is going to look like moving forward. I feel like their stories and their concepts and their characters as a whole just feel a little bit less inventive to me. And maybe that was their decision to greenlight some sequels to their well-known hits and their biggest properties, even though I still believe that Toy Story should have been a trilogy. It was a perfect trilogy until they decided to make Toy Story 4, which was kind of just the falling action of Toy Story 3. I think why not go out on a high note with Toy Story 3 and then do more spinoffs. I still enjoy and will defend Lightyear. I still think that was a really great movie. And I think they could do a lot more movies like that of breaking the Toy Story franchise into different genres. Lightyear would be a great sci-fi. You could do Western movies with Woody, even give him a full origin story that we've never really got. There are so many characters in Toy Story, you could get all these different genres, kind of like the Marvel model, where you get the romantic comedies with Thor, you get the space and sci-fi with Guardians of the Galaxy, you get more of the action with the Captain America movies. Why not do that with some Disney animation properties as well? For a long period of time, Disney just didn't really make sequels. They were such a dominant force that they didn't really need to do that. 
So to me, it kind of feels like they're itching for another hit with these announcements, especially with Frozen 3, which is kind of, all right, easy money. You put up a soundtrack, you crank out another movie. That's kind of what that announcement feels like to me. I also don't think you could top the soundtrack in Frozen 2. So I'm leaving that up to them to prove me wrong. Zootopia 2, I have no real problems with. I think that first one was a great movie, had a really great message. But of all the sequels they could make, I don't know why that one needs one. I wouldn't be completely surprised if they just stopped putting out animated movies in theaters altogether within the next five years. Although I worry about that because it feels like some of these movies go a little bit under the radar when they get put out on Disney+. Plus. Just look at the movies in the last two years. Soul, which came out in 2020. Raya and the Last Dragon came out in 21. Luca came out in 21. Ron's Gone Wrong also came out in 21. And Encanto was really their first kind of big hit post-pandemic. Turning Red kind of came and went on Disney+. Plus. Went very under the radar. Lightyear came out in theaters and didn't do as well as they thought. And then Strange World came out in theaters and also didn't do as well as it thought. Lost them a bunch of money. And the reason I think that this is the only genre that the only streaming model could work is because primarily it's families going to watch these movies. It's less expensive to watch them at home. The price of taking a family to the theater, wrangling up all your kids, getting them there, getting them in the seat. That takes a lot of time and effort more than it does just to pop on Disney Plus, pay your subscription every month and watch a movie at home. So I could see that working of them just switching to a streaming-only model for Disney animated movies, for Pixar movies, all that could just straight up go to the home experience. But I think if they do that, it will start to affect the Disney culture a little bit and their impact on popular culture and could even affect their impact on Disney World and Disneyland if it feels like these movies are resonating a little less and less of kind of losing that effect of watching it at home versus in the theater and more of that buzz of people talking about these movies, it could end up that you end up going to Disney World and you see all these attractions and all these characters that you're not completely familiar with. So I don't think that's the best decision for them overall, but they may try that out for now. So now let's continue on the state of the cinema and talk about what DC is doing. There is this newly created DC universe that James Gunn is putting together. James Gunn has been behind movies like Guardians of the Galaxy, The Suicide Squad, and he is now kind of seen as DC's savior and the person who is going to bring back and revive this studio that has so many great characters and so many great stories to tell, but just hasn't had that same success as Marvel and what they are doing now is kind of modeling what Marvel has done and is proven successful, but doing it their own way. So instead of phases, which we know about as being Marvel fans, they are doing chapters. And this first chapter, chapter one, is called Gods and Monsters. And I've read about this for the couple weeks that the stories have been out now. 
And even for me, who is completely dialed into this stuff, I know and go and watch all these movies, whether I want to or not, it still feels a little bit confusing to me how it's going to work. So I'm going to try and explain it as easily as I can, even though I feel like they had all these thoughts out on paper and it looked good and they were ready to do this announcement, but there's still all these little plot holes and questions. So what they are trying to do is make everything a lot more cohesive, make all the stories and characters go together and are going as far as any actor booked to play a role will play them in every capacity, whether it be in a movie, TV show, on the animated show, or on video games. If somebody gets cast as Superman, they will be Superman in all of those titles. So what they have done is they have asked all the actors they are hiring to sign a 10-year contract to make sure it all plays out in this 8-10 to year plan which again, that looks good on paper, but what we've seen in DC in the past is actors get unhappy, some actors go off the rails. So I feel like it's always open to a little bit of nuance of at some point, some actor deciding, hey, I'm out. But let's talk about the five movies they announced in the DC chapter one. And the ones I'm most excited about, Superman Legacy, which is coming out on July 1st, 2025. And this will be the start of this entire plan. So this is where it gets a little bit confusing because there are DC movies coming out this year, but this plan won't start playing out for another two years, obviously because they have to get all these titles out. So the question kind of just comes out right at the beginning of, wait, does this get to connect? Is this going to happen? And we'll get into a little bit more of that later. But this is supposed to be the start of this entirely new chapter. And it won't be another origin story. So we won't have to sit through that again. The sad part here is that we were supposed to get Henry Cavill back as Superman. He came out and did the announcement. He showed up in Black Adam. And then at the time that they were gearing up to make this announcement of the entire new plans, they said he was out. So I just feel bad for him as a as an actor. So instead of Henry Cavill, they are looking for a younger actor to play Superman. No one has been cast yet, but the story looks like it'll focus on him balancing his human upbringing while also being Superman. It kind of feels like to me they're going to do what Marvel did with Spider-Man back when they cast Tom Holland. Make him younger, make him more relatable, and get rid of the origin story that we've all seen done so many times. So I hope it has that same kind of fresh energy and does a really good reset on Superman, just like Marvel did with Spider-Man. I think that's what DC needs to do in this new phase. Make it a little bit more fun and lighthearted and make all the movies not look like 2000s metal music videos anymore. I think that is why I really never fully got into all the DC movies. And I'm not the biggest Man of Steel fan, even though I did want to see Henry Cavill come back. But those movies feel just so kind of 2010s to me. I think they need to get out of that entire genre altogether. And if there's one character that can do that, it is Superman. They also announced a movie called The Authority. And what The Authority is, it's kind of like The Boys on Amazon. It's a group of superhumans doing good things in general, but not having the most idealistic approach to doing those good things. So a little rough around the edges, 
kind of in a Suicide Squad vein, kind of in a Guardians of the Galaxy vein. So this one isn't necessarily good guys versus bad guys, heroes versus villains. Maybe it's a little bit more of an anti-hero story. I think this is kind of what I was looking for in Black Adam. Black Adam was supposed to be a Superman without a moral compass, and we didn't get that at all. So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for superheroes without a moral compass. A little bit grittier, a little bit edgier. They haven't announced what kind of rating this movie is going to get, but for the sake of the integrity of this story, I hope it is rated R. Also announced, the one I'm the third most excited about too, is The Brave and the Bold, which is an introduction to this version of Batman. This is where it gets a little bit confusing because this Batman will exist entirely different from Robert Pattinson's Batman in The Batman. So this will be all about the Bat family. We're going to get a version of Robin, which is Damian Wayne, who is kind of a hothead in this story. He's an assassin. He's a murderer. And in this story, Damian is Bruce Wayne's biological son that Bruce Wayne had no idea about until he was 10 years old. So it's this really strange kind of father-son story, which sounds pretty good to me. The only thing that'll make it a little bit weird is the fact they'll have two Batmans going on at the same time. I'm hoping for a little bit more of a straight on action style movie with this one especially with that Robin character. And since it doesn't have to be dark and gritty because that's what we have in the Batman, I really hope that they go for a classic comic book look when it comes to designing the characters in this movie. I think that would be a good kind of way to appease some of these DC fans that you've had so annoyed and angry for so long by giving them things and taking things away from them. Give them that classic Batman and Robin look. It doesn't have to be as completely cheesy as we've seen previously in TV and movies, but some kind of homage to a classic Batman uniform. I'm thinking more of the blues and grays and highlights on the yellow. Yeah, Batman and Robin in tights probably isn't going to be the thing to do, you know, post-2025. This one doesn't have a release date yet, but it will probably be 2025, maybe 2026. I don't think that is what we need then, but something to bring back those classic comic book characters I think is important for DC. That is really where a lot of their brand identity lives and it hasn't translated onto the big screen. I think that's what they need to really set themselves apart and have any kind of edge over Marvel. They also announced Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which in this story, Supergirl is kind of the opposite of Superman as far as her upbringing. In this story, it's being described as Supergirl was raised on a rock chip off of Krypton and watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life. So Supergirl is going to be pretty hardcore in this movie. That's what I'm talking about. The only sad part here is it reminds me that they can and the Batgirl movie will never see the light of day. And if this is the reason why I don't fully see it, I don't see why both of these movies couldn't have existed in this DCU. Nothing in the plans that I've seen announced really feel to me like they would be hindered by the fact that a Batgirl movie existed, especially when it was already done. Maybe they were just really going for that tax break and needed that money back. But nonetheless, I am into this Supergirl movie. And the one I'm oddly the least excited about, even though I love horror movies, is Swamp Thing. It sounds so old school to me, and I'm sure they'll prove me wrong by the time more details come out, by the time we get a look 
into a trailer for this movie. The only thing I respect here is their decision to make something completely different. And I think that's what you have to do to keep superhero movies interesting is get out of that formula altogether by just bringing a movie in a different kind of genre. And that's what Swamp Thing is supposed to be. The movie is going to investigate the dark origins of the character and supposed to be DC's horror movie. And not only that, since it is a part of this entire DC universe now, Swamp Thing will interact with the other characters. So it'll be interesting to see how they are able to blend genres throughout all of these movies. And it doesn't seem to me like DC is trying to build up to any Avenger-style movie. I think they were burned by that with Justice League, and they kind of rushed together to get that thing together to compete with Marvel. It doesn't seem like they are doing that now. So they are, in a way, modeling what Marvel has done and has been proven successful, bringing all these characters together and creating this world where everything connects but don't really have to take it a step further and all these movies be building towards a grand finale of them all coming together to fight this unified villain. And then finally, they announced that there will be Elseworlds, which is where all the other DC movies will exist that are not a part of this universe. So the Batman with Robert Pattinson, the Joker sequel will all exist in Elseworlds. It is a sub-brand of DC films. And all the stories and characters will be completely unconnected. And I think that's where the good stuff is. These are the movies that I feel are really noteworthy and also making DC a lot of money. So I'm glad they are not messing with them and trying to connect these movies into it. Just let these movies stand on their own. I think the only part getting a little bit confusing is when it comes to all the DC movies that are still left to come out. You have Shazam! Fury of the Gods coming out on March 17th, The Flash coming out on June 16th of this year, Blue Beetle coming out on August 18th, and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom coming out on Christmas Day. Shazam! was supposed to at some point connect with Black Adam, but now we don't have any Black Adam announced in this next chapter. So it kind of feels like Shazam! is in a way an ending of that era, and they said that The Flash is supposed to kind of be the reset of the DC timeline. And that will be the start of this chapter one, but it doesn't really have its true start into 2025. So the way I take that as a viewer of DC movies is I feel like this is kind of the falling action. This is stuff they have to get out. This is kind of the bullet they have to bite because they've already made these movies. They've already spent that bag. And as much as they are saying that, no, this is the start of the new DC I feel like they're only saying that now because if they didn't, we would be less interested in going to watch these movies because it feels like, why are we even watching these? They aren't going to connect to all these cool things you just announced. And finally, to close out the state of the cinema, let's talk about what AMC Theaters announced last week and their new very controversial ticket pricing structure for somebody wanting to go watch a movie at AMC. If you missed this announcement... What they are doing is they are essentially charging more money for the good seats in their theaters. They announce what is called Sightline. So you have standard Sightline, which are all the most common seats in a movie theater available at the normal cost of a movie ticket, which the movie ticket, the average now, is about $11. That has a whole someplace. It's as low as $9. And in some places like New York, 
it's as much as 16, 17, 18 dollars. So it kind of varies where you are in the country, where you are in the world, how much you pay for a standard movie ticket. But you go and you buy these seats and it gives you your standard view of the screen. So in addition to standard sightline, you will also get value sightline, which sounds awful to me. They couldn't come up with a better name for this. And these are all the seats in the front row of the movie theater. And these will come at a lower price, but will only be available to AMC Stub members, which is their subscription service where you pay 20 bucks a month and you get to go to three movies a week. And also to their AMC Insiders, which that membership is free. But the one people are the most upset about is the preferred sightline, which these are typically the seats in the middle of the movie theater, which will now cost one to two dollars more. And they're really trying to sell these seats to their most loyal customers. So everybody who has AMC stubs, A-list members won't pay any additional money to get these seats and to reserve them. And I feel in the grand scheme of things, that is what they are trying to sell more so than make people upset in this tier system. They are trying to say like, oh, well, we have this subscription service where you pay 20 bucks a month and we don't charge you anything additional. So I feel like in their business plan, they are trying to get more people to subscribe to their service. That makes them more money in the long run. They get those 20 bucks every month, no matter how many movies you end up going to see. And really when it comes down to it, movie theaters are not making the majority of their money on ticket sales alone. A movie chain like AMC is making it more off of concessions. So they are really just trying to get more and more people to come to their theaters and it just feels like an added on tax to now have to pay different levels of money to sit in the same seat. And that is the problem I have with it. It's giving somebody the same exact experience for more. It's not like they are adding more to these seats that are now one to two dollars more. The seat's not going to rumble. It's not going to have this little mist. It's not going to provide you with some kind of extra experience. They're just charging more for what we already had. It also just has come at a really bad time where we all have this bad taste in our mouth with Ticketmaster and how much they charge for seats depending on demand. That is kind of what this feels like to me. And when it comes to Ticketmaster, that really makes my decision to go watch a concert. I don't want to see that come into the movie theaters. And AMC has done this before already. Last year with the Batman, they tried to charge more if you wanted to go see it on opening night. I don't think this is what they need to do. But I think overall, you're just kind of making people mad. And I'm glad it's only AMC doing this. I don't really have a whole lot of AMC theaters around where I live. That is why I have Regal Unlimited. They didn't pay me to say that, but I've had that now for over a year. I've saved some money on it because I go to see a lot of movies and I've had no issues with that. And I don't see Regal implementing a plan like this. They also have a lot of problems of their own, to be honest, with closing a lot of Regal theaters in just the last couple months. So my hopes is that they try this out, but end up having it just go away because I don't think you need to create this divide in a movie theater. It's supposed to be a shared experience. It's supposed to be where anybody can go and feel like an equal. You don't need to penalize somebody and make them pay a dollar or two just to have a better seat. You're also kind of saying that there are some good seats in your movie theater and some bad seats. You shouldn't be saying that. You should be saying that every seat in that theater provides you with a quality experience. The minute you start to put this kind of value on different seats, that leads to investigation of the theater as a whole. You're telling me I can get a bad experience at your movie theater? Then why was I paying that money to begin with? So thank you all for your time. That has been Movie Mike's State of the Cinema Address. I'll come back 
talk about my thoughts on you people, and then get into the Fast X trailer. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Let's get into a spoiler-free movie review now. I want to talk about You People on Netflix. And it was one of my most anticipated movies of the year. And maybe I was a little bit too ambitious to think that Netflix could get this genre right. I thought it was going to be a revival of the 2000s comedy genre. You have Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you have Eddie Murphy, David Duchovny, Jonah Hill, who I am a big fan of. I thought you have all the tools you needed to make a great comedy. And they kind of fumbled. So I'll get into why I think this movie didn't completely work. Although some people were just saying that the entire love story wasn't believable. I don't completely agree with that, but we'll get into all those things about you people. But before I get into my full spoiler-free review, here's just a little bit of the trailer if you haven't heard or seen it yet. You're dating a black girl? I've never felt so understood by somebody in my entire life. Whether you like it or not, we kind of go together now. You're my boo, come on. I'm gonna ask her to marry me. Do you plan to talk to her family? Yeah, I just haven't had the chance to meet them. What's going on? Tell me about life. How are you? So you want to marry my daughter? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, Ezra, you could try. So what this movie is about, you have Jonah Hill's character. He is working at this big financial firm where he goes in every day and hates his job. But his real passion is doing a podcast, much like this one, where he just talks about the culture, music, hip hop, sports. And then he meets this girl. He is trying to catch an Uber. He gets into the wrong car. They have this awkward little exchange. And then he decides to take her out on a date. They go on this date where they shut the entire restaurant down with their conversation But that's a little bit where we begin to see the problem is this movie just didn't really have enough time to develop their relationship. I didn't fully think while watching it that they lacked chemistry or it was unbelievable. I just thought that you only really had one date to base their entire love on. So then it goes from that first date to him 
kind of really quickly deciding that he wants to marry her, but he has to go to her parents, AKA Eddie Murphy, and ask for the approval to marry his daughter, and Eddie Murphy just completely shuts him down, as you heard in that trailer. So he spends the entire movie trying to convince him that he is right for her daughter, that he is enough, despite the cultural differences, and really just Eddie Murphy hates him for no reason whatsoever aside from the fact that he's white. On the other end, you have Jonah Hill bringing her back to meet his family. Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character is pretty obnoxious. She is pretty cringe and going way overboard showing that she knows so much about black culture and does a really bad job at welcoming her to the family. And then you have David Duchovny who plays his dad, who is really just a dimwit in this movie and added no comedic value or really anything to the story. So really what I think the problem was here, it wasn't so much that their love story wasn't believable, it just didn't have enough time to develop. It spent so much time focusing on their parents, trying to get them to like each other, and then just Eddie Murphy just being a jerk the whole time without letting up at all or showing any kind of a different side to him, which I think is what this movie needed. It came maybe very too late in the movie, and by the end of it, you don't really care. And I think what everybody is saying, Lauren London included, that would they even be together in real life or would they even be friends for that matter? She said when she got the script, she found it very unbelievable that the two would be together. So it almost felt with what she said before going into this movie that maybe her heart wasn't fully in it. But aside from that, I just think there wasn't enough emphasis on their love story. There was nothing that made me want to root for them or really feel like they were fighting for something. And I think in a romantic comedy like this, you really need to build that in that first act. You have to build that love, build that love story, get us all interested so that by the time we get to that falling action in the second act, and, you know, there's always something that goes wrong. Will they, won't they? That's really the formula for any romantic comedy like this. You are rooting for them to stay together. But there was just no foundation of love in this movie. So so I don't think so much that it wasn't that I couldn't believe that these two were together. I just think there weren't enough scenes in the script that allowed them to show that or gave them enough time to even make an attempt at chemistry. So when people say that, it was unbelievable that they would even be together. And I relate on that personally. I don't know if other people have this experience, but I'm Mexican, my wife is white, and I would say nine out of 10 times that we go out to dinner, they don't believe that we're together. They always ask if we want separate checks. So even I feel that a little bit, even though we're sitting there with wedding rings, why does it not look like we're a married couple? But if you were to go over to my Instagram and see all of our pictures and know a little bit about our story, you would totally get it. So I think you just need that foundation to know that two people actually care about each other, to know a little bit more about them. That is what this movie needed. We needed an Instagram feed of all their highlights. That's what we need in a rom-com. So what you have in this entire movie is Jonah Hill really trying to carry the comedy, and I'm a big Jonah Hill fan, but he just couldn't quite do it. And I would argue he is one of the best at uncomfortable comedy, but the guy he was playing, I felt like his characteristics were off because he does this podcast where he's so in the know and so knowledgeable about rap and hip hop, and he is supposed to be an expert. But then when he talks to her dad, he seems more like a dimwit. He doesn't really have that same level of intellect. So it's like, is he a dummy? Is he smart? Or maybe Eddie Murphy's right. So they didn't really hone in on his character. He was just kind of grasping at all of these little comedic things to really bring the movie back. There were some things stylistically that 
I did enjoy as far as there's this kind of look that Netflix movies are going for now. It's very bright and colorful, lots of emphasis on the orange and the movies just look very sleek right now. I feel like they're trying to build this unified look for all Netflix movies. Also the little transitions and effects on the fonts. I tend to look for those kinds of things in movies. So at least visually, it made me want to continue watching this movie. There's also the actual style in this movie. I'm a big fan of Jonah Hill's fashion. Back when he was posting on Instagram, I would take a lot of fit inspiration by what he would wear. And I like that it kind of felt like he got to bring that to this movie. So that was probably my favorite thing out of the entire movie. So because I had such high expectations for this movie and it didn't really leave me laughing at any point, I liked the message it was trying to convey, but the performances just did not make it happen. I don't know what Eddie Murphy was doing in this movie and it makes me a little bit more hesitant to watch a Netflix movie just because it has an A-list actor in it. I know they are really good at doing that and bringing us familiar faces, bringing us the star power. But look at what Hulu is doing with much more original movies. Look at even what Amazon is doing with their original movies. They don't always have all those big stars at the forefront, but I think they are bringing better stories and delivering better on that aspect way above Netflix, where it kind of seems like sometimes they just really dumb down their concepts to reach a wider audience. But I feel like we are a lot more knowledgeable as viewers. You don't have to dumb things down for us anymore. We get it. I think we all wanted a movie that was going to make us laugh, and this movie didn't do it. So if I had to rate you people, oh, this hurts me to say it because I love Jonah Hill, but I would give it two out of five tie-dye sweatsuits. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. There isn't a film series I can think of that has changed so much from the first movie to the 10th movie. 
It's just really rare for any franchise to get 10 movies, but that is exactly what we're getting with Fast and the Furious. The trailer is out now for Fast X, and it looks completely ridiculous, but that is what I look for in a Fast and the Furious movie, and this is the 10th film in the saga and the start of the final chapters, and they are kind of doing a Infinity War endgame situation here where Fast X will set up the finale with the 11th movie, ending this series forever. So you have part soap opera, part action, part superhero, and a little bit of a racing movie in Fast X. So let's dive into this. Here is just a little bit now of the Fast X trailer. You built such a beautiful life filled with love and family. I never got that chance. You stole that from me. My future, my family, and now I'm gonna break yours piece by piece. This looks like it could be the most dramatic entry into the Fast and the Furious franchise yet. So that being the case, I'm going to read the description of this movie in the most dramatic way possible. Here we go. Over many missions and against impossible odds, Dom Toretto and his family have outsmarted, outnerved, and outdriven every foe in their path. Now, they confront the most lethal opponent they have ever faced, a terrifying threat emerging from the shadows of the past, who is fueled by blood, revenge, and who is determined to shatter this family and destroy everything and everyone that Dom loves forever. And that is the description of Fast X, and we see that here in this trailer and just when I thought it couldn't get more ridiculous than some of the things we saw in Fast 9, like them slingshotting over a canyon and all the other things that completely define physics, it looks like they are taking it up a notch. I think my favorite part is when, towards the end of this trailer, when Dom is driving and these two helicopters attach themselves to his car, they lift him from the highway. His muscle car is levitating at an incredible speed and somehow he is able to bring both of those helicopters down, crash them into each other and continue driving on the highway. That, my friends, is cinematic art and that is what I look forward to in these movies. I think that is what gets people back into the movie theater. So we've been talking about this entire episode. It's seeing ridiculous things like this that exist for no other reason than to bring us thrills and to bring us fun. And that is exactly what I look forward to in a summer blockbuster. Fast X is coming out on May 9th, 2023. I think this will be a big moment in the summer blockbuster season. I kind of see this in the same vein for Universal as Jurassic World was last year. But unlike that movie, I don't really have have high expectations for this one. You heard the level of acting in that trailer. We don't go to watch a Fast and the Furious movie because of the acting, because of the story, because of the plot. Why do we go to these movies? For family. No, really it's because of the action and all the ridiculous things and explosions. And there are so many crazy explosions in this trailer that 
make me think they are really kind of leading up to a grand finale here. And this is going to be part one of two that will close out this entire franchise. So you have all the cast of characters coming back. Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, Jason Statham, John Cena, Scott Eastwood, Charlize Theron is also in this movie. So there are no rules in the Fast and the Furious movies. People die, people come back, people die, people come back, and people are just all out superheroes. Jason Momoa plays the villain in this movie. I love the part in the trailer where he gets run off the road, falls into the water, and opens his eyes in a very cheesy action movie way. In this trailer, you also see a little glimpse of Paul Walker. They flash back to another Fast and the Furious movie, so it's always cool to see them pay tribute to him. So I think this movie will be much of the same that we've seen in the last few Fast and the Furious movies. It's basically the same formula over and over again. It did seem like they went a little bit more dramatic in the trailer with the slowed down Biggie song. They're really trying to build up the finale of this franchise. I'm not expecting anything different. I want big action stars. I want crazy cars going crazy fast. Although it does look like they are getting back to their quote unquote roots in this movie. And there will actually be a drag race again in the Fast and the Furious franchise. So how about that? And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. Again, if you want to see individual movie reviews, I have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Mike Distro. If you want to go over, subscribe, leave a comment on a review over there. I'll shout you out on next week's episode because that's what we're getting to here now. The listener shout out of the week. This week, I got an email from CNJ that says, Movie Mike, we just finished watching Knock at the Cabin in the theaters. Wow. Can't wait to hear your spoiler review. Best regards, C&J. Thank you, C&J, for the email. I've seen a lot of people enjoying Knock at the Cabin, so I feel pretty good still about my review. But later this week on the feed, I will put up a spoiler version of that review and get into the entire plot and more of my thoughts on that movie that benefit from being able to speak freely about spoilers. So look for that dropping later this week on the feed. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for telling a friend about the podcast. And until next time, go out and watch good movies, and I will talk to you later. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. 
If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.